vapor and the billows of smoke that consumed the mountain. The terrible sight in the sight of the Israelites that was there expressing God's holiness to the people. If you could imagine this great sight, there was fire consuming the mountain. Has anybody gone hiking recently? Or does anybody like hiking? Okay, you can imagine not just the little hills that we go over and you know, in our environment, but I'm not talking about real mountains where you're out of breath, right? Climbing something. That was a type of mountain that was consumed in fire, invisible sight of the Israelites so the Israelites might know that God, though he says he wants his people to be his treasured possession, he is also holy and set apart. And he's not to be treated like anybody else. He matter of fact says, if you're going to be my covenant people, you are not to decide for yourself what is right and wrong. You are not to let the culture decide for you what is right and wrong. Don't even try to come near or touch this mountain because anyone who does will be put to death. But I'm going to give you this law and by it, you're going to consecrate yourself. You're going to set yourself apart as my holy people. And then as you do this, I'll treat you as my treasured possession. So what was he revealing to us? He was revealing to us that holiness and consecration work hand in hand. Holiness is the goal being inwardly set apart to God, producing outward actions of consecration in our life, in our speech, in our love, in our faith, and how about this, in our purity. These are the things that the scripture talks about, not just in the Old Testament, but in the New. As we're following Jesus, right? He said what an inwardly holiness is going to impact an outward consecration in the way that you live. Not only towards God, but in the world around you. What does that mean? It means that the rubber has to meet the road. The rubber has to meet the road if you're calling yourself a Christian. If you say you belong to God, it has to meet the road connecting, number one, what God says in his word to number two, what we say we believe. They need to be congruent, right? What God says in his word, when we come to even repentance, do you know that your salvation is ultimately a result of your repentance and faith in Jesus Christ? Where you are changing your mind, going in a different direction and saying, God, your ways are higher and right. And I'm submitting to those ways. So you're saying God says what God says in his word, connecting that to what we say we believe, to number three, what we value. How you spend your life, how you spend your money, how you spend your time is ultimately a product of what you value. That's why Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I know that ledgers are a bygone relic in our digitized fintech world, but I can still look at what I treasure on my cash app based on how I spend my money. I can look at what I treasure looking at my calendar. And yes, I still write things down on paper. Paper still does exist. I can see what I treasure by how I spend my time. I can see what I treasure or what I value by what I give my life to.
God said, you're my treasure possession. And in turn, I want you to value me according to my covenant in the same way. It should, number four, therefore, connect to how we live. This is what it means to live a holy and consecrated life. To be a consecrated people means to be set apart to God for God's purposes and God's glory. My question for you today is, do you know God's purposes? Are you familiar with what God is trying to do in the earth today? We're not just reading stories, but he's trying to accomplish something in the earth today. And have you joined yourself to him in a consecrated manner to be a part of that? That's what consecration means. Not just having an inward holiness, but setting yourself apart for God's purposes and God's glory. You've heard the word sanctification before, and sanctification is ultimately God's ongoing process of making us holy through the renewing of our hearts and minds, rejoicing, I'm sorry, replacing the old idolatry in each of our hearts of humanism. And we keep bringing up the terminology of humanism, but I like how Francis Schaeffer, Francis Schaeffer who is an old theologian and apologist, spoke about humanism. Has anybody ever heard of Francis Schaeffer before? Wrote a book back in the day, How Now Shall We Live? How do we live as a consecrated people in this time? But he defined humanism like this. Humanism is the defiant denial of the God who is there with man defiantly set up in the place of God as the measure of all things. That's what humanism basically is. We get to determine for ourselves. We're the measure of all things. We get to determine what it is. God calls us out of that to be a consecrated people. And the Israelites were to wash their clothing as an outward symbol of the inward purifying of their hearts coming into alignment with God. That's all that meant. God wasn't consumed or concerned with their smell. He was concerned with what was coming out of their lives. That's why in 2 Timothy 2, 22, he says, flee. Flee youthful passions. Flee youthful passions. And that's a word even for older Christians. Do you understand that? Some people are still trying to live in their youth perpetually and eternally, right? He says, flee youthful passions and pursue... <clears throat> Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And here I love the exhortation during our worship set, along with, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So meaning, if you don't have some ride or dies in the kingdom, you need to get some. Make sense? He says to live a consecrated life isn't going to be just about you or in your strength. You need to have men and women on your right and your left who you can ride and die with and say, hey, provoke me, push me to love and good deeds in Christ Jesus. Because we are called to live as a holy people, consecrating our lives to him. My question is, who is that for you? Because ultimately what they're going to do is push us into a place where we're living in the wisdom of Christ and God consecrates us to live in the wisdom of Christ forever in the shadow of the cross and in the hope of the resurrection. See, when you live as a consecrated people, it's going to cost you something. When you live as God's treasured possession, that doesn't mean that it won't cost you something. Does that make sense? 
A lot of times we think if, it's, if we're living as God's treasured possession, that only means that God's giving us things. Well, it does mean that God's caring for us and providing for us, but then it's a, it's a two-way street, right? He said, worship me through what you do. And what can you give God? You can give God your faith, obedience, and what comes out of a reflection to this word. If you don't know his word, you will not know what to give him. I'm going to say that again. If you don't know God's word, you won't know what to give him. This is why it's important that you open a physical, yes, I even said it, a physical Bible. Why? Because if you're only going on you version, you're getting 500 texts at the same time, different alerts that are distracting you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And even though you're saying, listen, I'm having my Devo time. Anybody like that Devo time, <laughs> right? You don't even remember what you read. You checked off a box saying I was consecrated to the Lord for five minutes out of my day, but it has done nothing to shape you. Why? Because you're not meditating on that which he's given you so that you can be conformed to the image and the wisdom of Christ. And let me tell you, living by the wisdom of Christ is going to take a lot more than just a five-minute Devo in the day. Especially with all of the cultural norms that are being pushed on you. And has anybody had any difficult conversations recently? Let's just throw it out there. Any difficult conversations recently? With anybody, about anything. The only way you're going to live according to the wisdom of Christ is allowing Christ's word to continually wash you. Free of distraction, and this is where we'll end. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18-31, he says this. For the word of the cross, and ultimately, the wisdom of Christ, when we're a consecrated people, leads us to the shadow of the cross and the hope of the resurrection. Right? So he says this. You can take a stand in the wisdom of Christ, because ultimately, this world as we know it is not all there is. This world as we know it is not our eternal home. This world as we know it is not our final destination. But many people live as if it is. And so they're trying to create heaven on earth, rather than looking forward to the heaven that God wants to bring down to the earth in the new heaven, the new earth, the home of righteousness. And God says, you cannot live as a consecrated people if your reward is only in this life. And if you live as if your reward is only in this life. So many people call themselves Christians, but they do not live in the shadow of the cross or the hope of the resurrection. But God is saying, you need to renew your mind so that you realize this which we're experiencing now is temporary and passing away. But what God's bringing is eternal. Live for that. Sow into that. Put your hope there. Because ultimately, that reward is going to be the one that you keep. Well, you can lose your financial statement, right? Anybody invested in crypto recently? Anybody know what crypto is? Bloodbath, okay? Anybody invested? How about this? How about something more reasonable, like the stock market? Am I seeing something drop? Drop like a ton of bricks. Temporary, right? Doesn't mean it won't go back up. I have hope for you. Okay? But at the same time, the reward that God gives is eternal. And he says, live in the shadow of the cross and the hope of the resurrection. 
1 Corinthians 1.18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ. Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Wisdom for what? Wisdom to live a holy and consecrated life. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. This starts to encourage me. Anybody, does this start to encourage you? Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Does that encourage you? It doesn't mean, it means that your treasured possession in God doesn't depend on your pedigree, how many letters you have after your name, or anything else in all creation except that you belong to him. And that he defines you in his purposes for his eternal glory. He says, first consider this calling. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and, there's that word, sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. But what's the point of all this? As we live holy and consecrated lives, as God's treasured possession, there's a difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. And everybody needs to get that in them, okay? There is a difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. So many of us live by the wisdom of the world without even knowing it. And you see it by how we live, how we speak, how we interact, how we make our decisions. Versus living by the wisdom of God, which always has the cro a cross in mind, and the hope of the resurrection on the other end as our defining motivation. Throw that picture up, please. You need to look at your daily decisions, both big and small, like this. Your daily decisions, like this. To live a consecrated life, you've got to know that there are two paths diverging in your relationships, in your career, how you spend your time, how you actually spend your money, how you actually are raising your children, where you're giving yourself, through all of these things, there are two paths diverging. There's the wisdom of God in the shadow of the cross, and there's the wisdom of the world, which is temporary and leads to death. As a holy, consecrated people, we are called to live by the wisdom of Christ. The word and the presence of God are anchors amidst the emotional buffeting of a world that rages literally rages against Christ. And this is why Pope Benedict, he was a theologian, he actually said this. Let's put up this quote by 
Pope Benedict. He has a lot of words. That's okay. <laughs> That's why we're up there. He said this. How many minds, I'm sorry, how many winds of doctrine we have known in recent decades? How many ideological currents? How many ways of thinking? The small boat of thought of many Christians has often been tossed about by the waves, thrown from one extreme to the other, from Marxism to liberalism, even to libertinism, from collectivism to radical individualism, from atheism to a vague religious mysticism, from agnosticism to syncretism, which is a mixing of the wisdoms, and so forth. Every day new sects are created, and what St. Paul, <clears throat> meaning St. Paul of the Bible, <clears throat> says about human trickery comes true, with cunning which tries to draw those into error. Having a clear faith based on the creed of the church is often labeled today as a fundamentalism. I'll let that sit for a minute. Because a lot of people try to run from that term, right? I can't cling to the scripture because I'll be a fundamentalist. Anybody ever run from that before? Or heard, I'm sorry, not you. Has anybody ever heard of someone running from that before? I don't want to be associated with those fundamentalists. Well, it depends on how you define the term. Do you mean that's a consecrated people, a holy people, set apart for God's treasured possession? What do you mean by it? Whereas relativism, which is letting oneself be tossed and swept along by every wind of teaching, looks like the only attitude acceptable to today's standards. We are moving towards a dictatorship of relativism, which does not recognize anything as certain, and which has as its highest goal one's own ego and one's own desires. However, we have a different goal. The Son of God, true man. He is the true measure of true humanism. Being an adult, meaning in the spirit, means having a faith which does not follow the ways of today's fashions or the latest novelties. A faith which is deeply rooted in friendship with Christ is adult and mature. And how many people know that, that God, that's God's aim for us? To mature in Christ. To not just be infants, but mature in Christ. Well, how do you define it biblically? Biblically. Not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of teaching. Not just to be a parent to our culture. But to be a consecrated, set-apart people in how we think, how we speak, how we live. A faith which is deeply rooted in friendship with Christ is adult and mature. It is the friend, this friendship which opens us up to all that is good and gives us the knowledge to judge true from false and deceit from truth. This is how we're to live as a consecrated people. And I'm telling you today as the people of God, I'm appealing to you. Let us not just re rely on our emotionalism. You see, even the world today is being driven along by a mob mentality and their emotionalism. Does, anybody, does everybody realize that? People don't think nowadays. It's sort of like an emotional pressure to conform. 
And then people automatically say, well, I have to think this, believe this, or parrot this, because everybody around me is going to criticize me if I don't. But God says a consecrated people, a holy people, who are his treasured possession, live differently. They love God with all their hearts, with all their minds, with all their soul, and with all their strength. And as they commit to obeying his voice as an expression of his covenant, you better believe that the God of heaven and earth backs them up. Not just now, but even when it costs us something going into eternity. Because we're living in the shadow of the cross and ultimately the hope of the resurrection. Where is your worth? Where is your reward? Where do you place your value? If it's not in Christ, it needs to be today. And you can repent and realign your heart motivations today. In Jesus' name. That is the end of the Exodus. God's goal for all of us as we live our everyday lives. In Jesus' name. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you've given us the ability to not only hear about you, but to walk with you and know you in all of our ways. And God, uh, we, we know that walking set apart to you can be a challenge in the world today. Because you said, narrow is the road. Narrow is the road and hard is the way that leads to life and only a few find it but broad is the way and wide is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through that God we want to be a people who are consecrated to you set apart to you live holy lives to you and God we pray that you would release your grace today inwardly and by the power not only of your word but the Holy Spirit that we would leave this place strengthened to do so God, may our convictions become your convictions. May our thoughts become your thoughts. May our values become your values. May your ways become our ways. Because ultimately, it's all wrapped up in the fact that you said you've come to set us free. And lead us, according to Jesus, to life and life to the full. So God, I pray that you would help your people to see that today. You would open our minds and our hearts to what's of the greatest eternal worth and that we would choose today at the cross to give ourselves fully to you in that way i want to pray first of all for anyone who says you know what i've heard this gospel before about jesus living sinlessly for me dying sacrificially on the cross for me and being resurrected from the dead so i could have new life in him and though I've heard this message before, the truth of the matter is, is that I've been on the wide and broad road that leads to destruction. And I know that if I were to stand before God today, I wouldn't stand before him as a holy set-apart person, a consecrated person, but I would be a person who's lived my own way with my own value, my own ego, my own goals as my self-worth, and ultimately I know that I would stand deserving death and hell. But I don't want it, and I want to turn to Jesus today and receive everything that he's done for me at the cross. 
I want to be one of his treasured possession today. If that's you and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as Lord, Master and Savior of your life, but you say, today's my day, I want to give it all up to him because I see his way is better. His way is good. I want you to raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you. Is there anyone at all who says, you know what? I've been on the broad path that leads to destruction. I see it by the way that I live. Okay, good. Anyone else? We're taking our time here. There's a moment to meet with God. Anyone else? Taking an evaluation of your life, not the lip service that you've given or even nominally what you've identified with as Christian. Because the Bible makes this clear as well. He says, listen, God's foundation is sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows those who are his treasured possession. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord not might, but must turn away from wickedness. And if you've still been living in sexual morality or you've still been living in drunkenness, if you've still live, been living in jealousy or gossip or slander, now's your moment to turn. Is there anyone else who says, Jesus, this is my day. I don't want to play a religious game anymore. This is my day. Okay. All right. If that was you, I want you to pray this with me. Almighty God. I thank you for your love for me. I thank you that you came on a rescue mission for me to make me your treasured possession. I confess my sin to you today and the ways that I've been living opposed to you and for myself, I turn away from today. And I cling to the cross of Christ I cling to the wisdom of Christ. And I'm asking you to make me a new person. Would you not only forgive me, but come and make a home in me and empower me by the Holy Spirit and your word to live as a consecrated, holy individual for your pleasure and your glory the rest of my days. I proclaim Jesus as my Lord. And I thank you for your love. And everybody else who's been walking with God, let's just lift our hands to God and pray this together. Almighty God, we say you're worthy. You're worthy of it all. Father, you said your commands are not burdensome, but they're actually a joy and delight to our heart when we live in the light of who you are. Not only your word, but your ways, Father, that lead to freedom, life, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against which such things there is no law. God, may you empower us to live in the great joy of righteousness. Not only the righteousness that's given us through the exchange that you've made with us at the cross, but a righteousness that flows out of our love for you. Loving obedience in how we treat our family members. How we treat our workmates. How we treat our friends. How we treat the community around us. God, may we do it all in the love of Christ. In the shadow of the cross. And with the hope of the resurrection. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, well, if you were especially praying to make a decision for Christ today please, we're going to have a prayer 
uh, banner over there. Make your way over there so that someone can talk to you about next steps. And even if you've been walking with God for a long period of time, but want somebody to stand with you in conforming to the image of Christ, we'll be happy to pray with you as well, both online and in person. So let's go back into worship now and honor the one in whom we take our delight.